You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I'm doing well. Day before Tennessee, Tennessee Eve, as as they call it in olden times. Yeah, it is how they call it in olden times. You know, the, we did our predictions yesterday because we weren't sure if we were going to have a locked on balls or locked on Dolphins guy. And as it turned out, we got neither one of them, but that's okay. Because we'll have our Dolphins guy next week. We're going to have Joe Shad on next week. I'm quite confident Joe Shad of of ESPN fame, now a writer in South Florida, and uh, he covers the Dolphins beat, uh, but you all remember him from his reports on game day of yesteryear, but uh, Joe Shad will be joining us next week to talk to a Tungavaloa at some point. Okay. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, okay. So, um, you know, I, I think what we can do, Jimmy, is just spend a little time. First of all, we can talk a little bit of news. Do you have any news? But I really want to do like Tennessee memories. Tennessee game memories. So mm-hmm. do you have any, any news out there that, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think the McKinstry commitment is huge. You know, that's Sunday. Uh, Alabama's got a lot of momentum here. I believe it will be Alabama. Uh, that will be big indeed. Uh, great prospect. You know, one of the things about him that I think is really interesting to just show you about a, why recruiting is so important and B why we also make too much of it. Jaquincy's the number one corner, right? He's, he's the number one prospect in Alabama, right? The number one prospect in Alabama, the, the, the maybe the number one corner in the United States. People expect that he'll he'll show up and start, and, and, and Alabama, like, you know, could have openings. Maybe one corner spot is vacant. Maybe both are vacant. And if that's the case, people will assume McKinstry rated as high as he is, and he'll step right in and start. I, I, I wouldn't be so sure of that. But it's kind of funny that Malachi Moore rated much, much, much lower than McKinstry. He stepped in and started day one. So you never really know for sure which kids will make that quick adjustment. You know, uh, heck, one year ago today, uh, Chris Braswell was probably rated higher than Will Anderson. In fact, I'm sure he was. And uh, Braswell has not been close to getting on the field just yet. And Will Anderson's a full-time starter. So you just sign as many good kids as you can, put them on the practice field and see how it shakes out. Yeah, that's true. And and McKinstry's commitment will be huge. There's no doubt about it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, assuming it is us. It sure feels like it's us. And meanwhile, um, again, I, I, I take some pleasure in uh, some schadenfreude in the fact that um, – Auburn's having some issues, but man, they are having some real issues on the recruiting trail is Kamari Lassiter, who it seemed like for all the world was headed to Auburn, is committed to Georgia last night. Um, Scooby Williams has come out and said he's going to commit in the next week or two, and it sure looks like it's going to be Florida, maybe Georgia, uh, not Auburn. And then, of course, Quincy McKinstry was leaning to Auburn for a while, it seemed like, and now he's going to be committing to Alabama. So I think the you know it just goes to show – when you have turmoil, you either – in college football, it feels like you either have turmoil and uncertainty or you, you're you pretty stable. 
and and you can recruit. But if you have turmoil and uncertainty, boy, it's gonna it's gonna affect you. Well, I mean, it's like a ship. I mean, if you think about it, it's like a boat. Every program's like a boat. I mean, which boat you want to jump on? I mean, I mean, who's who wants to jump on the boat that's half submerged in the ocean? I mean, uh, you know, kids have to want to be a part of the program, and they look at all their options, and and they pick the boat that fits them best. And well, when the boat's taken on water, it's sort of tough to recruit. Yeah, it is. And the problem is when you fall behind in recruiting in the SEC. I mean, the sharks are just out there, and I mean, they're just going to try their best to eviscerate you. So, whew, it's going to be some tough sledding there. It seems like Blaster uh, is a good player. I've, I've seen his tape a lot. Really good player. I, I like him. Um, I, I wonder, without knowing, I'm wondering this out loud. I need to do a better job of, of researching this part of it. But I wonder what his track times might be. Um, Believe it or not, that's one of the things in recruiting that, that maybe fans don't don't know. Coaches take track times really seriously. I mean that that is a major factor uh, with a lot of programs uh, is their verified track times. Uh, they they care a lot more about those than some sort of self reported forty time. They just ignore that. But but uh, verified track times are big, and I wonder if maybe Kamari is a step or two slower than they like, but. But I think Laster's a good player, and uh, Georgia, Clemson, and Auburn thought so. Yeah, um, and they those are pretty good programs. And, you know, Auburn's had some pretty good luck putting guys defensive backs in the league. More luck than I thought because Jamel Dean's been playing well. Carlton Davis been playing well. And then, of course, uh, Noah Igbignagany went uh, this year. Jimmy, let me tell everybody about Built Go. Uh, it is the solution to breaking through your wall. I have tried it. It is delicious. They have three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey. That's what I tried. It was awesome. I also tried chocolate mint, actually, and it was great, too. Chocolate, coconut, those are your three flavors. It's like a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling when it wears off. It's natural, so it's so much better for your body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. You need to go to visit or just go to visitbuiltgo.com and use promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. It's got all kind of stuff. Beta, alanine, B3, honey, kick of caffeine, B6, B12, 10,000% of your daily percentage of B12. That's awesome. So go check out builtgo.com. Let's go and let's get this done. Now I want to tell everybody about Coors Light. Look, I mean, Coors Light's absolutely delicious. We've been talking about them so much recently. Can't wait to pop open a Coors Light when I watch Alabama play Tennessee this weekend. Um, it's the Heck, drink. When I watch Lafayette play UAB tonight. Yeah, or when you watch your soap operas here in just a few minutes. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the drink you need to help you chill out. Everything is always go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time, work and friends and family and a million pressing social issues. You know, you just need a moment to chill. And that Coors Light helps you do that. Uh, it wants you to know no matter what, what sport is on this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill. So flip through the channels, find a sport, find a, a good game and crack open a Coors Light and be done with it. Um, it, you'll absolutely love it. It tastes delicious. You can go check them out at CoorsLight.com if you'd like to. It's the absolute best beer when you need to hit the reset button because it's made to chill. Of course, everybody here at the Locked On Network wants you to celebrate responsibly. 
And this is brought to you by the Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, Jimmy, let's talk about some uh, Tennessee memories, baby. What's your favorite one? There are many. I mean, for some reason, and I think our younger fans, this is all like a mystery to them because Tennessee's been pretty bad for a decade and a half. But they used to be good, and they used to beat us quite a bit. Uh, I have a lot of, of, of Tennessee memories. I could probably recall every game uh, from David Palmer scoring on the two-point conversion to tie them back in the dinosaur era when we used to have tie games. Uh, that was exciting. But I would have to say it was a bad year for Alabama, ultimately uh, finishing 7-5. and five. But uh, Gene Stallings' first year in 1990, uh, Alabama had uh, lost – their first three games of the season. Can you imagine if that happened now in the internet age? Uh, Alabama mm. had lost to Southern Miss, Florida, and Georgia mm. all in a row, all out oh, of the yeah. gate. Tennessee was ranked very highly, and uh, Tennessee was a big favorite, a double-digit favorite. I remember, right, they were 10 or 12-point favorite uh, at home. Uh, they were ranked very high um, that morning on game day. Lee Corso, I remember, he, yeah, he was on there 30 years ago, people. <laughs> Corso said that morning on game day and picking the games that Alabama had as much chance to win that game as a high school team. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, behind an incredible defensive effort and a blocked field goal and then a clutch made field goal with no time on the clock from Philip Doyle, Alabama upsets Tennessee. I was a student at the time and watching the game in my college apartment with six or eight buddies. and We just went nuts. I mean, Beer everywhere. I mean, we poured beer on each other all over. It was it was like the worst mess ever. It's a good thing we were in college where people expected us to act like idiots because our carpets, our ceilings, our walls were just beer drenched in the melee that followed uh, Doyle making that kick. So when I think of my favorite Tennessee memory, it's probably that. Yeah, and I remember that game well too. I was actually watching it uh, at my parents' house. I was, I guess, a Junior, um, I would guess you would have been a senior, but no, I, but maybe I would have been a senior. I was a senior because there's 90, I graduated in 91, so yeah, I was a yeah, senior. senior um, yeah. I was a senior and um, and in high school, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, I remember watching it at my, my parents' house and um, just getting so nervous. I mean, I was by myself just watching, just nervous as a cat, and I remember Lee Corso saying all that. Um, and I've watched that that game a million times. I mean, I've, I've watched it. I have it on an old VCR tape and I've just watched it so many times. And I remember uh, Mike Godfrey, who did the game uh, for the color with Ron Franklin. He said, I see a flag after he made the kick and like immediately my heart dropped. And then he said very quickly after that, or do I hear roughing the kicker? Because it was roughing the kicker. Yep. And they, they actually bloodied his mouth when they That's hit right. it. Um, and it was uh, Stacy Harrison who blocked that field goal, came right through the middle. Uh, I remember so vividly Mike Godfrey talking about how everybody changed their blocking strategy about blocking field goals, and everybody started going up the middle instead of trying to come around the end. And Stacy Harrison did exactly that. And man, it was, I also remember in that game Dale Carter, who was a great defensive back, JUCO defensive awesome. player. Um, he. I remember his doing like a head bob, like on the opening kickoff, like, yeah, I'm about to take this thing to the house. He fumbled the opening kickoff. <laughs> you remember that? I didn't remember until you said it. And uh, I certainly remember the uh, the bloody lip on uh, Philip Doyle because I had uh, 
I had a chemistry lab. We had a chemistry lab class that met on Monday nights, and uh, and Doyle was in there, <laughs> and uh, he was often the same. And I, I remember him coming, and uh, everybody clapped when he walked in the room. <laughs> Never. Oh, happened. really? There's only there's only about fifteen or twenty of us. You know, it's a lab thing, and it's like chemistry lab or something like that. Maybe astronomy. No, it was some sort of science lab thing. And uh, and as soon and Philip Philip when he walked in, everybody in the room was clapping. And then he was kind of at the table next to me and, and his lip was still like all busted up. I'm like, your mouth hurt? He goes, like, I said, your mouth hurt? He's like, I, I hadn't felt a thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and dude. then he went over to, um, if you remember, after he made the kick, he like ran towards the Tennessee sideline and started doing <laughs> finger guns. He did. <laughs> Philip Doyle was a, he was a different, I think, you know, he's a really good baseball player too. Uh, great athlete. You don't normally see a kicker that's just a great athlete. Philip Doyle would kick off and then immediately morph into one of our best cover guys. He was, oh, yeah. he was making he was making tackles on kickoffs all the time. He wanted to, and he was athletic enough to do it. Heck, he was borderline athletic enough to play other spots. I mean, oh, there's no doubt. He he, he, he was a, a as a matter of fact, I couldn't even name. He's probably uh, place kicking wise the best athlete that we've had there since I've been an Alabama fan. We had to have one since we've had kickers that are as good or better, but uh, none of them were as athletic as Philip. Oh yeah. Uh, he was, he was awesome. I mean, it really was fun to go from him to Michael Proctor. I mean, what are the geez, What a, I think there was a, a down year. Maybe. I think it was 91, 91. The Doyle, that's right. It was 91. Doyle was gone. Proctor was still a pellet in the 91. Right. I don't think we can make a kick to save our lives. Were you uh, were you at the uh, Tennessee game? Okay, so I went in '89, and everybody kind of knows Saran yep. Stacy explodes. Saran uh, Stacy explodes. That was a Musburger call. Oh yeah, it was a Musburger call, and it was so bright and sunny that day um, at Legion Field. And I remember I was that year. I guess I was a junior, and I went to the game with some a friend of mine who's an Auburn fan because uh, we had tickets, and um, it was just great. And I remember watching Carl Pickens. Uh, I think they had Alvin Harper. Um, they had all those guys uh, like catching Dude. catching passes, and they were catching passes. They were practicing like um, it was Andy. What was his name? And number eight for Tennessee, Andy. What was his name? Oh, you remember Andy Kelly? Andy Kelly, Andy yeah. Kelly, and they also had uh, Reggie Cobb and Chuck Webb. So they had Cobb right. Webb, and Cobb had just been busted for uh, drugs. And so they only had Chuck Webb there. Um, but anyway, they, uh, they they were warming up, and Carl Pickens was catching passes almost like no-look catching them. Not no-look passing. He was the dangerous with one hand. It was bananas. I was like, this guy is ridiculous. Because he came from North Carolina, I think he did. I think you're right, man. But anyway, I that I was even following recruiting way back then. I just, I, I mean, I kept up with it then, probably even more so than I do now, even though the information was tougher to gather. Um, but everybody remembers that, remembers that '89 game. I'll tell you, I went in um, in uh, 1985, I think it was, or no, '88, '88 in Tennessee, <clears throat> and Tennessee wasn't good. And the other thing about the the irony between the '88 game in the 89 game is that Tennessee had not won a game up to when they played us in 88 and we beat them. And then they didn't lose a game until we played them again in 89. 
I don't know if you remember I, that. I, I, I think that might be right. And yeah, yeah. I know yeah. it's right. But I think so, we surprised. I, we we had to have been underdogs in '88 when we beat them. We must no, have been no, underdogs. No, 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 no. Tennessee we had not won a game in '88. That's right. They were 0 and five. Yeah. So yeah, I do so remember that. We had um, we had that little Murray Hill uh, yeah. had a big game against them in '88. Um, but I went in '88, and it was kind of a a, a you know not a great game to go to because they were uh, winless. And so we go there, and at the time, my dad and some of his friends had bought into the like this old piece of shit limousine, right? Like it had roll down windows, like you manually roll them down, but it was still a limousine. So we went and we had a good time. And after the game, we go to uh, that what's the famous ribs place there? Do you remember near the river? I don't know. Anyway, I um, don't know. We go there. And we're in this big ass limo and we just park like, you know, we're in a compact car. And so we're, we're leaving. And a friend of mine or a, a daughter of a, a friend of my dad's is getting in the car. And when she opens the limo door, like everybody was kind of jammed in there, it sort of hits the car next to her. And she goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And the guy and the wife who on that car were like standing by the car. And he was an older dude. And he said, just get in the car, you bitch. And and like she was only 15 and she gets in the car. We didn't oh hear that. She was crying. Right. And so dad, who, who may have had a drink or 20, was in the street, like trying to navigate us backing up. You know, he wanted to start like and he overheard it. And he goes up to that guy and said, hey, what's the problem? And that guy said, that bitch just hit my car with y'all's limo door. And dad said. It probably did $50 worth of improvements to that piece of shit. I've never seen a car so ugly. And then he said, well, me and my wife are just offended. And dad said, well, that's ironic because she's the only thing uglier than your car. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he was so mad that he called my friend's daughter a bitch that, I mean, like it it went on. That's fighting words. That's fighting words when you're talking about a 15 year old girl. And that guy realized kind of quick, like, all right, this guy ain't screwing around. I mean, like, he, you know, and, uh, and so dad, we, we ended up all getting in the car and getting everybody calmed down, but it was a funny moment. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, 88 was fun. And then I'm trying to think, I went in 96 when I'll never forget it. I think it was 13, 13. And like Tennessee was going to sit on the ball. We were going to take them to overtime. And Jay Graham busts an 80 yard run for a touchdown in the rain. That's right. That's right. We had him beat. I mean, we had him beat, and Jay Graham. Yeah, that's right. Jay Graham had us had us beat. Um, all right, Jimmy. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to keep doing this. I love old Tennessee memories. Okay, Jimmy. Let's talk about uh, some more games here. I'm trying to think. I've been to Knoxville a bunch of times. I, I mean, like it kind of blows me away to think about how many times I was there when Julio had his big night for 200 and some odd yards. Um, Let's see uh, some more fun ones. Um, oh, I went one time. It was it. That was the '96 game. Uh, the girl I was dating at the time. We went to a comedy club before the game, like the Friday night before the game. And this joke has stuck with me forever. And it probably it still works. I mean, occasionally, not everybody falls out. But the guy had like a, he was like a, you know, what's that? Like a hand puppet, like Madam and Lamb Chop or whatever the hell, you know, or, you know what I mean? Um, I know what you mean. I know so what he, you mean. He had one of those uh, things, he sort of a ventriloquist thing, and he was talking to the puppet. And he says, uh, the puppet says, uh, I went to the doctor the other day. He said, oh, and the guy said, oh, really? What did he tell you? He said, 
The doctor said, I need a urine sample, a semen sample, and a stool sample. And the guy said, okay, so what'd you do? And he said, well, I threw in my underwear and said, you figure it out. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. He's still, you, you, must, you, must, you must have really thought it was funny to be carried. You've been carrying that with you now for 24 years. <laughs> I mean, it still works, man, to me. Um, and I also remember, and I am the world's worst when it comes to criticizing people about having weddings on football Saturdays. I think Don't it's get me started. It's sacrilegious. I don't, don't like me it. started. However, my uh, when Krista and I got married, um, we were going to get married in Tahiti, right, in December, after everything. But we figured out kind of quickly, getting married in Tahiti is a biatch. Like, you got to have all these other kind of paperwork things, and, like, you have to sign all this paperwork, you know, saying you've never uh, done this or done that, and and – I was like, I don't know that I can check some of these boxes they're talking about. Um, and so what we decided to do at the last moment, well, I mean, about two, a month or so in advance, was to say, okay, we're going to have a surprise wedding that nobody's going to know about, and we're going to do it at one of our engagement parties. Um, yes, it is during the Alabama-Tennessee game, which saddens me. But we're And I said, the only thing I demand is that we have TVs there. And so we we did that. We had a surprise wedding. We had TVs there. That was the night Amari Cooper goes for about what eighty on the first play. Lane Kiven called a beautiful, uh, like a little, just a little one of those little pitch passes to Amari Cooper. He takes it eighty yards on the first play. Um, but uh, it it worked out fine. Um, and there we go. Here's another confession, dirty confession from Luke Robinson um, in the '09 Tennessee game yes. in Tuscaloosa. Rocky Block. Rocky Block. I'm nervous as, as a, a long-tailed cat in a room full of rock, rocking chairs. And I'm sitting there with some friends. We finally, we finally, we finally get the ball. Mark Ingram, who never fumbles, is uh, with the ball. And I'm like, you know, guys, I'm going to beat the traffic. We got this one in hand now. I leave the stadium, Jimmy. I get to my car. And my friend calls me and says, you ain't going to believe this shit. I was trying to follow it on my phone, but at the time, Tuscaloosa's wireless shit was awful. And yep. and um, he tech, he called me and said, you ain't going to believe this shit. Um, the Ingram fumbled. They're about to kick a field goal. I said, well, keep me on the damn line. And um, and then I heard the roar from the stands, and I, I knew something good had to have happened. But I missed Rocky Block to beat traffic. <laughs> yep. Uh, that was a big moment. You know, I, I'm the kind of fan like when Terrence Cody blocked that kick, uh, so many people celebrate and they should celebrate, but to me, it's like relief. Like, Oh yeah. Whew. You know, I was relieved more than jumping up and down, pumping fists in the air. It was more like, cause we, we had that game that you, no wonder you left. I mean, that game was in hand. It was over. It was over. Our defense had been incredible. Uh, it was over. And then Ingram who never fumbles fumbled. And, uh, and then there they were uh, moving the ball a little bit and, it was a long field goal, uh, but uh, that's why it had a little slightly lower trajectory, and and Cody was able to get those hands up. Something we did good last weekend in the Georgia game. Yeah, although and, not on know, kicks. I, I've seen. I haven't been able to stomach that whole game all the way through. Um, since then, I mean, I just because it just I don't like rewatching losses. I know you you you're great about watching any game in the summer and sort of dissecting it. I. I don't like rewatching losses, but I got to um, know who to be I mad at. Loss, 
But I'm I got to saying- figure out who exactly to be angry at. That's why yeah. we were so I, I need to. All right, who am I going to be mad at? And then I hit play. Well, in that, in it, when in doubt, it's Chris Caps. But you know, <laughs> all right, Chris Caps. Um, but uh, anyway, um, that get, watching the, I've I've watched that block several times because it's been played a multitude of times here recently because the game is about to happen again. And um, if you watch it before it's blocked. It looks like that kick's going to be shanked about as bad as uh, Papa John's shanked his kick in the national championship game against Georgia. <laughs> uh, I, I hadn't seen it myself in quite a while. And uh, the thing that's incredible is also, I think, if Cody had not blocked it, Julio was. Yeah, Julio I was up there, man. Julio might have caught it <laughs> and, and run it back for a touchdown. I mean, in terms of like – uh, Julio looked like he was going to get his hands on it if uh, if Cody did not. Yeah. Oh man. Um. All right. Well, anything? Any other Tennessee memories you got? <sighs> I mean, you know, I remember the games really well. Pretty much every one that you mentioned. Just one point about Tennessee and their troubles, because it is a crazy world where where we sort of grew up and Tennessee was a power, uh, much like Georgia is now. Uh, you know, Tennessee was a powerful program, had tons of NFL players, and they were very difficult to beat, and they often beat us. But over these last 14 years, in terms of like, okay, what's their problem? Well, well, there's a bunch of problems, and they made some bad coaching hires. I think that's obvious, even though they all seem like good hires the day they did it, but it just didn't work out. Well, if you think back, Luke, I, you know what would be, instead of recounting the 14 wins in a row, I think it would be amazing if you look back at Tennessee's quarterback in all 14 of these games. It is, I bet Alabama fans have forgotten half of those guys. Tennessee fans may have forgotten half of those guys. They have basically trotted out there one extremely average quarterback after another. I could be really wrong when I say this, but I think perhaps their most dynamic quarterback during this whole 14-year losing streak it's probably Josh Dobbs, and Dobbs is pretty good, and I think he's even still in the NFL as a, as a third-team backup type. But, man, when your best quarterback is Josh Dobbs over a 14-year period, uh, that says a lot. I, I think Tennessee just has not had a dynamic quarterback in forever, and when they were beating us, they had Peyton Manning, T. Martin, Keith Schuler. Uh, I mean, they, they had a run of good quarterbacks, but boy, it's wait a minute. Uh, you mean Schuler didn't beat us? Schuler didn't, uh, did he not? He was a good player, though. I mean, Tennessee's winning game. I know we beat him in '92. Uh, we beat him, him in '93 times. '93, the tie. He tied us in '93. Yeah, but he would have lost to us in '91, and he wasn't around in '94. That was Peyton. Yeah, Peyton, it was Peyton and the other Brandon, what's his name? We transferred to AM. Brandon Stewart, who was a good That's player. Right. Good player right. for sure. Good player. And I was I was at that 94 game too. Um, that was a lot of fun. But I'll tell you though, that's the game. And, and if I'm lying, I'm dying. Somebody was peeing off the top of, of Neyland Stadium. No, I'm I don't doubt that. I don't I, doubt I'm that. telling you, they were peeing. But anyway, um, I don't doubt that. And I went in – I was there in 93 as a student. Well, 94, I guess I was a student too. But in 93, I was there as a student when Palmer uh, had the – had the run. I, mean, I don't think I've ever, ever celebrated a tie 
like that ever before. Um, that that was that was awesome, and Palmer was just oh, Palmer's so good. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, that's a whole nother podcast. If we just got highlights, and it's not fair to just compare highlights because um, if Steve Sarkeesian had David Palmer or Lane Kiffin had David Palmer, gee, bus. Um, oh. Instead, he had you know Gene Stallings, which my, is a little bit, little bit different. My, my favorite part of that two-point play is this. I mean, this is how good Palmer is, and all of us old folks know this, and the younger people don't seem to know David Palmer as well, and I've seen a lot of younger people say, oh, there's no way he's as good as this guy or that guy. But, oh, oh yes, he was. He was He was gifted. And on that two-point conversion, which was, you know, if, if we score, we tie them. If he, if he gets tackled uh, or, or if we don't make it, Tennessee wins and our little win streak against him's over. And we score a touchdown, so we're two points down. We put in David Palmer, final play of the game is going to be a two-point conversion. <laughs> and we need it. And the funny thing to me is the PA announcer could have just said – Alabama lines up at the two, David Palmer at quarterback. He's going to keep the ball, Tennessee. Palmer's going to run right or left here. (laughs) I mean, every person in the stadium, every Tennessee player, every Tennessee coach, every fan knew we're snapping the ball to Palmer and he's going to run it in there. And he did. He did. With everyone knowing what was coming, he still found a way. That, That was David Palmer. Now, I, I I don't think I finished my thought. I was what I was going to say was like comparing Jalen Waddle to Palmer. I mean, Waddle's definitely faster. Don't get me wrong. Cool. And, Not even close. And Waddle, his shiftiness is out of bounds, crazy. But I mean, Palmer was just so. I mean, he was a magician. I mean, I, and Waddle is too. I'm not trying to. I'm just. I don't know who's better because it's not a fair comparison because. If if Palmer were to be able to get the ball in space as much as we get guys in space now, you know Palmer played at a time when you know everything was bunched up. I mean, everything was like a just a big pile of blankets. Um, yep. Now he would. I mean, he, he was played in a time where if you were five ten or, or shorter, you had no prayer of being taken in the first round. Yeah, David was drafted in the second round, which was incredibly high for someone his size at that time. I mean, uh, you're right. I mean, back then, everybody played with a fullback. When when there was a fullback and a tight end on the field, there's only two wide receivers. Nobody put two five-foot-nine guys out there. But now they do because you can spread the field, and it's a space game. Palmer would be a hugely impactful player now, more so than he was back then. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm. This is not a shot at Waddle. I'm in love with Waddle. I think he's, I think he's a best first in the country. He'll be a um, first round pick. Yeah. yeah, and and I and I can certainly buy the argument. He's better than Palmer. I can buy it. Um, but um, you know, in the end, I mean, Palmer's just he's my he's my. Well, they're all different. He's yeah, he's old. better. I mean, I mean, Waddle's gonna be a first round pick. He's gonna have a long NFL career. He's one of the great players to ever play at Alabama, like Palmer. He, he, you can say he's better, but r- really they're just different. Even Waddle right. and Palmer aren't a lot alike. That's right. Uh, and, and and Palmer, I'll I tell you this. I mean, this, this, Waddle's probably a better football player, but David Palmer is such an athlete. <laughs> you can bet Palmer was a better basketball player, a better baseball player. If there's something involving a ball, David Palmer was better at it than Waddle except football. <laughs> and that's just because Waddle was so fast, you know, but – Palmer probably, you know, mid four six, you know, four six five, four six eight. But good luck tackling him. 
Hey, Jimmy. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Appreciate it. And everybody have a fun weekend. Celebrate responsibly and roll tide. This will be 14 in a row. Roll tide.